season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast. Today we have Delaware native, artillery pitcher and outfielder and 2025 NC State commit. We got Corey Sheridan on the JKR podcast for the Artillery Baseball Series powered by Hit RX. Corey, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm happy to be on. Awesome, man. Awesome. So before we dig into your baseball career, um, I got one question I'd like to dig into, you know, with every person I get on the podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Corey Sheridan? So first off, I would introduce myself as Corey Sheridan. And then others, many people know me as a baseball player. It's my passion. I love doing it. Take it very serious. And then other than that, love hanging out with my boys. We do a lot together go to school, get the work in, do that, and train. Okay. So I kind of want to start out talking about artillery. I know that's obviously how we got connected with Ajay. So just take us through, you know, how you got connected with artillery. Obviously, you guys are the number one team in that 2025 class, so I'm sure you've had, you know, plenty of great experiences there. Just take us through, you know, your travel baseball experience so far and how you got connected with artillery. So I was actually about a year ago right now that Ajay reached out to me to play for artillery. So we were planning on me getting down for a tournament, our first tournament, the MPI in um, Georgia at PBR. And Ajay reached out to me. I was interested as a national level team. I was with a local New Jersey team. With uh, I've been playing with those guys since I was younger. We were really good, but we weren't like a top tier national team. And our, uh, the way Ajay took himself, he seemed like he was. So I wanted to take the chance. Went down there and it was in May, like last week of May, had a had a ball with the guys, seemed really cool, met everyone, saw that Ajay had really good college connections to schools I wanted to go to. So I felt like it was the best choice to play with him in the summer. Yeah. So so beyond, you know, that previous travel baseball team being regional and the um, artillery being national, what were some of those other differences that you've seen, you know, going from that initial program to playing with Ajay? What was that comparison from some of those differences between both those programs? So with uh, my regional team, we practiced three days a week. I was with those guys all the time. So we had a little, like, way better connections from when I first got with artillery. But once the summer got throughout and I was talking to the guys more, my artillery connections got similar to those. Like, I know I have guys from all over where all over our country with artillery that I talk to every day. And just as much as I do as my New Jersey guys. So you talk about that culture that Ajay has built with artillery. Kind of take us through maybe what that our culture is, what that looks like, you know, with some of the relationships you have, you know, with some of your teammates or, you know, what that looks like on event, on a day-to-day level during, you know, a travel baseball tournament. What does that culture kind of look like for the artillery program? You know, like something that Ajay does really good is he just lets us play. Like he doesn't um, – he doesn't – he coaches a lot, but he doesn't get down into like specific things. He doesn't try to change anything up. He just lets us play. We bond in the dugout very well. Uh, we got some mascots like mine. We have Pickle Rick, and then we have a we have a Ploofy, which is Caden Hathaway's. So those bring us together. Just little things like that keep us all bonding, and we talk to each other every day, and it's all fun. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was talking to Ajay. His episode's actually about to release here in a couple days, um, where he brought up Pickle Rick, um, a couple other, like you mentioned, um, one other of those mascots. And I think he brought up another story as well. Um, for you, for Pickle Rick, how did that all come about? Like, what exactly is that? Just like a stuffed animal? What it, What exactly is Pickle Rick? So we were at a tournament in Sanford, Florida. It was um, I don't remember. It was a PG tournament. I don't remember exactly which one. But we were staying at a hotel, which was right next to a Dave and Buster's. So me, Mason Bull, Jackson Garland, Taylor Tracy, and Ethan Adams and Ty Thompson went over. We uh, bought some tickets, hopped in a dodgeball game, and found a way to finesse a lot of tickets and ended up getting Pickle Rick. So Pickle Rick is is a stuffed animal, then I think. Yeah, he's like um he's like a f- like really big like I would say like four or five foot long uh like stuffed animal type of thing. It's really cool. Okay, so what is he making all the trips to all these different tournaments now, or is he just a one, one tournament type of mascot? No, he was he's making the trips. So right now he's at my grandma's house in Florida because we were just down in Florida a few months in February for ML or January for MLK. So when my grandma ends up driving back down to PA to visit us, she's gonna bring them, and then I'll bring them throughout with us for the summer. Okay, <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely something unique there that you probably don't see with you know most other travel baseball teams. Um, but with Ajay in that artillery coaching staff, I know Ajay brings on a lot of guest coaches. He has, you know, just a wide range of connections within the, the game of baseball. So what are your relationships you have or what's the relationship you built with Ajay? And then even beyond that, some of the relationships you have with some other coaches on that artillery program. Uh, well, something Ajay does really well is he talks to his players players as much as he can. So. Me and him will have phone calls every time here and there. We text all the time just about little things, just asking how my day was, how training was, everything like that. And then those other coaches, we talk here and there, but really talk to them at the tournaments more. And I think it's really cool because they do like the same thing as Ajay. They, they let us play, but if we need to know something, they'll tell us and construct it. So I think the way Ajay keeps his coaches and all the players co- together is really well. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like we've talked about, artillery is a great program. You know, the classes ahead of you might not have had so much as success as you guys have so far, you know, being listed number one. But with you being an insider, you know, just in a nutshell, what do you think has led to the success of the artillery program um, that Ajay has built? Like I talked about earlier, like our bond in the dugout and on the field is really, really good, especially for a bunch of guys that are all over the country. Like I, the closest player to me is about two and a half hours away and he's up in North Jersey. And then there's some guys from Pittsburgh and Georgia and and Memphis all, all around the country. And it's just the way how we get together. We talk all the time. We talk during the tournaments. It's just really well. Like our bond is, we popped off this summer. Like no one was expecting us to jump from 40 to one, but it's just the way we took ourselves. We always had that. We're the dogs type of, type of attitude and we popped off so with all you guys you know i believe like you've mentioned you know there's memphis there's new jersey there's pennsylvania this type i mean players from all over the the country have you seen you know maybe when you're showing up to an event that maybe there's a culture shock in a way when you're showing up and you're meeting somebody who you know is five states away um do you kind of see a difference there in terms of you know maybe how people are growing up compared to like where they're from Oh, yeah, most definitely. So uh, something we messed with someone, Graham Jones, uh, Tennessee commit. We mess with him about his accent all the time. He's got that hard southern accent, but it's really funny. And then um, Taylor Tracy, who lives out in Texas, he's got a little accent out there versus us East Coast guys. So we all like we all laugh about it because it's funny. Yeah. 
I've uh, I so I've interviewed a wide range of people where you know I, obviously I don't talk to you guys you know and hear your voice beforehand. I'm just you know text you guys back and forth. And there's probably been three or four instances where I'll hop on a call and I just get blown. I'm like, whoa, like this what what's this guy's voice sound like? Shoot, like I've interviewed someone from Alabama who like their voice just shocked me by like the way they sounded. Some guy in Minnesota who sounded like he was like 110% Canadian. Um, just all these different accents, which is kind of cool to see. Um, but no, so as you look at back, looking back into your travel baseball career, obviously you still have three summers left or no, two summers left with this year and then next summer. Uh, but just looking back into the past, like what have been some of your just favorite travel baseball memories, you know, maybe two or three, whether that's, you know, while you're playing on the field, maybe doing some stuff off the field. What are a couple of those just favorite travel baseball memories? You know, something I think about all the time, and I don't know if everyone does it, but it was Cooperstown in 12U. Uh, that's up in New York. It's a big tournament, and those were with my New Jersey guys. Like, that was an awesome tournament. I think about that all the time. And then this past summer, we had a lot of great moments with artillery, like winning. Uh, we, quote-unquote, won the sophomore World Series. That was a That's a fun story. And then – just winning those other tournaments, coming in second place at WWBA, uh, winning in Hoover, just celebrating with all the guys, winning and playing playing fun. Yeah, so you say that the Sophomore World Series is kind of a cool story. Take us through that. What, what do you mean by that, and what was that experience like? So in the Sophomore World Series, we were going into the seventh inning. We were playing against BPA, and it was uh, we ended up just tying the game. So – that was the weekend of the hurricane that hit down in Florida and the uh, the hurricane, like some alarms came on in the stadium. I think it was like rain or lightning alarms. And uh, we had to take a 30 minute break and the BPA team we were playing had uh, like flights at like four o'clock, I think down in Miami. So they had to drive from Fort Myers all the way to Miami. And it's like one o'clock at this time. So that's a pretty chunky drive and they're probably going to miss their flights if we continue this game. And then players on our team had flights in Fort Myers in like an hour and a half. So they had to get down there too. So the tournament director and the coaches and the umpires and everyone talked about it and they gave us like a co-op winning. So meet us, artillery and BPA shared the number one spot for the tournament. Okay. So you guys, you know, are, you know, co-champions there for that sophomore world series. You said you finished second in the WWBA. Obviously WWBA is probably one of those, you know, top two, top three tournaments of the summer. Take us through what that experience like and maybe that atmosphere of that championship game where it's just you and that other team um, just down there at East Cobb. So with uh, WWBA and East Cobb, I actually wasn't playing in that tournament with artillery because I had to split my summers. I was committed to my regional team, and so I played with um, artillery the tournaments I could. But I was at the game watching them play. And they were playing a good Canes team. They had Canes had Zion do commit on the mound, and we had we didn't really have all of our like top tier pitchers left. We had like a bunch of guys that were gonna compete and do their best. And we, I think we they did good. They were competitive against a really good Canes team. We tried our best. We ended up coming in second, but it's still a good game. Yeah. So you know, as we're looking forward to this summer with the artillery team, take us through you know beyond yourself. Maybe some of the other guys on this artillery roster that should be on the lookout for, you know, like for people like myself who want to go watch some good travel baseball, who are some other guys that we should be circling on that roster to kind of pay attention to as we're watching artillery game this summer? Definitely my guy, Ethan Adams. Uh, he's from Georgia. He's uncommitted. 
He's a big he's a big guy. Um, he's talking to a few. He's talking to a lot of schools. Really good. He's still uncommitted though, but he's definitely someone that should be on a bunch of colleges' radars this this upcoming summer. He's up to ninety ninety one or ninety two. He's a big frame, big body. He also wants to say he's a hitter, but AJ doesn't like to hear that. <laughs> so you're saying he's not going to be uncommitted for very long, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think he's going to make his decision soon. Okay. And I mean, with, with with Ethan committing, doesn't that make it that whole roster pretty much all power five commits once that happens? Yeah, I think Ethan is I think Ethan and maybe one other are only uncommitted. Okay. All right. So with having, you know, that many power five guys on that same roster doesn't happen very often. Obviously you got Kane's National, probably the Arkansas Sticks, um, probably USA Prime. Very, very few programs, you know, have that type of roster where it's just nothing but power five commits. But for you, you know, being able to be around that many different guys who are that same caliber of ball player as you all going to power five schools, you know, how do you kind of go about, you know, maybe, you know, watching some of your teammates, the way they go about things or certain drills that they do, maybe picking the brain of them. Like, how do you kind of go about that, you know, with this, with the types of ball players that you're playing alongside um, with artillery? So I would say when I got there for my first few tournaments, I was, um, I bonded really well with like Ethan and a few other pitchers and we Ajay would send us like to the bullpens during our game. So like when a pitcher would be warming up, we would all be watching him, seeing if he's doing anything wrong, anything he could do like a little bit better with grips on his off speed or the way he was releasing the ball and his arm slots. So we all look out for each other, make sure everyone's going out for their best, making sure that we can win the game. And then with a few of the hitters, I'm really close with like Taylor Tracy and Ty Thompson. We don't talk much about like hitting. We just really we just talk to talk, like just friend friend yeah. chatter. Yeah. So you know, as we transition a little bit to high school baseball, like you said, Delaware baseball starts. You know, this upcoming week. Take us through you know maybe what last year was like as a freshman, and then what the outlook is. You know, going into this spring. So last year, me not being from Delaware, living in PA. So I would make that little 20-minute drive coming over. No one knew who I was. So I go out there for tryouts, being the freshman that no one really knows, making the team and then bonding with the guys. So we do a trip. We do a trip down to Myrtle Beach the second week of March as like our spring training and our first games the last week of March. So we have we go to uh, condos. So we, we stay with like seven of the players. And I ended up staying with five seniors and a sophomore and me. So I feel like that really helped because I was bonding with like the senior captains and got to know them. They told me about the team, about the coaches, everything well. So that season ended up going really good. We lost in the quarterfinals, but it was a great season. Those guys were awesome, especially those seniors just leading me through the program. And this this season, I think we're going to be a really solid team. We're going to – a few guys from our JV team last year are going to come up because we had nine seniors last year. So we're losing a good chunk of uh, position spots. And we're just going to be a really good, gritty team. We got a few new coaches on the coaching staff, three of them. One was UD's old coach. Another one was another Delaware high school coach. And really looking forward to see how they do things. So you mentioned that you guys made it to that Delaware, you know, quarterfinals last year. How does that work in Delaware? I've never really interviewed a Delaware baseball ball, baseball player. So how does that work when it comes to that state tournament? Is everyone making it? Do you have to have a certain record, you know, finish a certain uh, uh, what's it, ranking in your division? What does that look like in Delaware? So they do it by a point system. So um, a win 
in-state is three points or two points. A win in-state is two points, and then a win against a team over 500 in-state is three points. And then a, a win against a team over 750 uh, winning percentage is four points. And then if you get an out-of-state win, that's also four points. And then a team below 500 is one – a team win below 500 is one point. And then a loss, you lose two points. So it's uh 16 teams made it last year. So they had a few, I think, top eight seeds got a buy. Or no, 24 teams made it last year. And top eight or top six teams got a buy. We were one of those teams. Uh, we won our sec- We won our first round, but the second round, and then ended up losing the next round. Okay, so only 24 teams make it. I know Delaware is somewhat small, but, I mean, that's still, you know, very selective when it comes to how many teams make it. What does that competition level look like in Delaware? Like, how often are you facing another Power 5 commit? Maybe what are some of those, you know, top-tier pitchers, pitchers looking like? Or, you know, I guess hitters, since you know our primary pitcher. What does that look like when it comes to Delaware competition? So, um, the we did actually face a Power 5 commit uh, from Delmar High School last year. He's a left-handed pitcher committed to West Virginia. Um other than that, it's a bunch of like mid-major D1 schools that people will go to uh, and then some D2s, some D3s. So I know there's definitely better com- competition in PA, but some of these Delaware kids that like just couldn't get their name out are pretty good. So when it comes to, you know, let's say let's move it back into your freshman year. And then I guess even for this year as a sophomore, you're still going to be somewhat of an underclassman. So what's tougher when you are a high school ball player, you know, you're 14, 15 years old, you're facing, you know, 17, 18 year olds, guys who are a little bit more mature than you. Seniors have seen a little bit more when it comes to high school baseball or when you're facing guys who are at, at your age level, but also, you know, that top tier talent. Is there maybe a little bit of a mind shift change going from travel baseball to high school? Um, and then what would be tougher? So the thing I really focused on last year being the freshman going against like seniors and juniors on my team was just being that guy, showing the coaches what I can do, even against these kids that are older than me. And it ended up paving out really well. So I, I got the opening day star and then I was our go-to pitcher for the whole season. I ended up uh I ended up breaking my hammy bone hitting the second game of the year. So I was out for a month and a half, so I couldn't hit the rest of the year. But then I was still throwing after that. So my really my main goal is just to be that guy, show the coaches who I can be. And same thing's going to be this year. Even the co- even though the coaches know who I am, they know I'm committed, they know how I'm throwing all that, I'm still going to be that guy, I still have that dog men- mentality, go out and try and win every game. So with you being the opening day starter last year, you know, as a freshman, were there a little bit of nerves there, you know, pregame? You're like, shoot, like I've never, you know, man, I've never played high school baseball before. I'm, you know, I'm starting on the mound as a freshman. What did that kind of look like your first game? Yeah, I could say when I was in the locker room pregame, um, I was definitely nervous to say so because they had uh, the team we played had two Westchester University commits and Westchester is a really solid D2 program. And not to say that I was afraid of them or anything, but it's like nervous going out in front of this new school. And I'm the only freshman on the team that's starting. Uh, I don't want to mess up in front of any of the players, all that in front of like the, the spectators. So I was definitely nervous going out. And then when I got on the mound, first batter, I struck out. I felt really good about myself, kind of loosened my nerves. And I just cruised through the game. We ended up um, we ended up only going to four innings because we run-rolled them. I pitched uh, three innings. Uh, had a few strikeouts, only one hit, no runs given up. So I was really happy about that performance. 
Yeah, definitely a solid performance to start off your high school career as a freshman. Um, but I see that just huge NC State logo behind your head right there. So let's dig into the recruiting process, you know, how you landed at NC State. Kind of take us through that. When was it that that recruiting process kind of got started for you? And when did you start getting noticed by some of those Division One teams? So uh, NC State was always a school I was looking at. I was, I've always wanted to come down south to play baseball. Up north, it's uh, pretty cold over here in PA. Most like right now, it's 30-something degrees out. So um, my main goal is to get down south, play warm, and NC State and the Carolina schools have always been schools I've been looking after. So my first phone call with NC State was sophomore, uh, sophomore World Series in October. They uh, came out to watch me in my first start of the tournament. I did really well, three innings, nine strikeouts, no hits. Um, so after that, I was calling Coach Hart every, uh, like every two weeks, every week. Started a really good bond with them, got down, saw their campus, really liked it. Felt like it just felt like the spot I wanted to be at because the week before I went down to NC State, I was in South Carolina at their campus for um, to – for a uh, camp and like the feeling from when I was at South Carolina versus NC state was completely different. And it really just felt like the spot I wanted to be at. Coaches are awesome. Really like them. So uh, as this recruiting process was rolling, you said, you know, you're talking to South Carolina, talking to NC state. I'm sure there was other schools you were talking to as well. What did some of these initial conversations look like? You know, what, maybe what were some questions that you guys were asking, um, you know, how did some of these initial conversations compare to each other? Kind of take us through that a little bit. So um, I would say with with other schools, they would really ask me about baseball more so than like my like actual like personal life. And one thing that Coach Hart did really well is he he didn't make the phone call focus baseball only. Like he asked me how I was doing in school, how my family was, like what my parents did, how how they were doing, if I had any siblings all that stuff. And that really made me feel like, like he actually cares. So that was like a really good sign to me versus like other schools that were really focusing on baseball, asking me how I was throwing, what my velo was, what my spin rates were, if I had any video, all that stuff. So, you know, you're talking to these different, you know, power five baseball program head coaches, you're 14, 15 years old, you know, what's going through your head as this is happening? Obviously you're still a while before you head to college, but you're already talking to some of these top tier programs. What's going through your mind, you know, as this whole recruiting process was starting to unravel? Uh, every first call I have with a school that I talked to, my heart was bumping. It was very nervous just because you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to mess up. Um, you just want to like give the coaches a good impression because it's a, like I, my main focus was talking to schools that I wanted to go to. So I really wanted to make a good impression on the coaches because I really wanted to go to those schools. So as you're as you're going through this whole process, you know, talking to a bunch of different schools, you know, what were some of those you know key things that you were looking for? I know you mentioned that NC State, you know, just felt like home compared to you know maybe some other schools didn't, but just what were some key things that you were looking at when you were comparing a campus, comparing a coaching staff, an organization in general? What were some of those key things you were looking for? So I definitely wanted to go to a program that was very good and I could develop in quickly and a good program that I'll play good teams. So like I was looking at SEC, ACC mainly uh, for my schools. And another big thing that caught my eye when I was talking to NC State is they just did a $22 million renovation to their facilities. So they have a, they just got a brand new field in, fencing, 
um, scoreboard. They're getting a, a whole indoor facility, putting a weight room in at their field. So those are just like a lot of things that really catch my eye. So do you remember the day where you realized, okay, I think NC State place is the place for me? Like th- when did it, when did that just click and you're like thinking, okay, I think NC State's where I'm going? So I remember it was um, October 29th. Me and my mom were uh, just leaving the campus after I was walking around and looking at it. And that's when I realized, I was like, mom, if they give me a, they give me an offer, I'm going to commit. I said that was, those were my exact words to her. And she was like, I really like this place. Cause like my main goal, I didn't want to go to like a huge, huge campus, like a, like a, an Alabama campus. Like that is huge. And I also didn't want to go to a very tiny campus. I wanted to be in that like mid factor and NC state definitely fits that. And they have, I want to go to a school that has other sports teams that are good. So like their basketball team's very good. They got good wrestling and the campus was just beautiful in North Carolina. I wanted to go down South. So like right, right when we left, I was like, mom, like this is a spot I want to be at. You know, it's not very often someone has the exact day that, you know, that kind of hit them. So how long was it after you're talking to your mom, you know, while you're on the NC state campus until you got that offer. And then even beyond that, you know, after that offer, you know, how long was it until, you know, you actually, you know, told that coaching staff, all right, guys, I, th- I think I'm coming to NC State. So um, I don't know the exact day I got the offer, but me and Coach Hart were talking for a few weeks after that. And I think it was three weeks after I was down there in the last week of October, I committed. Okay. So, you know, when you're on campus like that, you know, a lot of players don't get that opportunity to go on, be on a Power 5 campus, actually go through like an invite-only camp. So what does that look like, you know, when you do head to um, NC State? Where uh, Actually, what, what city is NC State in? I'm just curious. It's in uh, Raleigh. Raleigh. Okay, so when you're in Raleigh, you know, you go to the campus, you know, have those in-person um, camps, in-person meetings. What, do, what does a, a showcase camp or an invite-only camp like that look like? So you, it's a bunch of good players, and um, the one thing, the things that the coaches really wanted like me to do was walk around campus. So they uh, told they um, texted AJ for me to, because I can't like text the coaches yet because of NCAA rules. So AJ texted me what they said they where they wanted me to go. So I went and visited the apartments where I'll be staying my freshman year there, and then the student union center. Um, they have like all like Duke, North UNC and NC State have like those like bell towers. So they uh, said I should go there, check that out and anywhere else around the campus. I really wanted to see like the academic centers and all that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, you know, how you Ajay kind of had to be the, you know, that point of connection when it came to talking to college coaches. You know, what are you looking forward to most to, you know, September 1st, 2023? You're not going to have to deal with all that, you know, dumb little, you know, minor little regulations that the NCAA has. You know, what are you looking forward to most and not having to deal with that? And, you know, just conversations can just flow as they go when it comes to talking to your future coaches. So I think uh, one of the biggest things really is going to be able to actually go down to NC State and talk to my coaches without it, without it being a problem, like face to face and they can text me and call me. Like I was, uh, I was just, I was just down at NC State on Friday for opening weekend against Wagner to watch a game, uh, before I had high school baseball start, and I couldn't like go down there and like be on the field before game with all the players and just like talk to my coaches like that. And I, I'm just can't wait till next season when I can actually do that. Mm-hmm. 
So you obviously, I mean, you you still have a good relationship with that NC State coaching staff. Obviously, if you didn't, you wouldn't have committed there. But, you know, now that you've been committed, you know, how has that relationship grown? And I guess what was it even to begin with? Just take us through, you know, that relationship you have, you know, maybe with the head coach, but also maybe some of the assistant coaches as well. So I actually, uh, I haven't talked to the head coach yet. That's uh, Coach Avent, but I've been talking to Coach Chrysler, which is their pitching coach, and Coach Hart, who is their uh, assistant head, like, they're right under the head coach. So one thing I really like is Coach Hart and Coach Chrysler like to talk all the time. Like they want to do like every other week, every week, whenever I really want to call. They always tell me like any anytime you need need something, just call me, I'll answer. If not, just call me like 10, 15 minutes after you call and we'll try and get there as soon as possible. And then um, I send them all my bullpen videos. They really like seeing that, seeing how I'm doing, seeing my progressions. So as we did, as we talk, continue with relationships, obviously Delaware, Pennsylvania, I mean, I believe that's a couple states away from North Carolina. You know, I'm not looking at a map right now, and I'm from the Midwest, so I don't know specifically, but I believe, you know, that there, there's a little bit of a travel distance there. But what are some of those relationships you have with other NC State commits? I believe there might be a couple other guys on that artillery team, but then even beyond that, um, what are some of those relationships you have with other guys in your class heading to artillery, uh, headed to NC State? There is another on our artillery team, Quim, Quinn Bentley. is a corner infielder, left-handed hitter. Uh, he's uh, he's a nice, very, very nice kid. He actually lives in North Carolina, way closer than I am. And we talked all summer. Uh, actually, he didn't know, like, during the summer. we I wasn't talking to him. And during the fall, when I started talking to NC State, he was playing football, so he wasn't at, like, the tournaments with us. But we were talking about it. And then Aiden West, he lives in Maryland who I talk to all the time. He's committed to NC State. I have a really good relationship with him. And then also Cam Uzil, who lives in Florida. He guest played with our, our our artillery team a few times. And I was talking to him about it and just making connections with that 25 class. Mm-hmm. So being in the class of 2025, obviously, I mean, there's a bunch of guys already committed within your class, but we still got two years before you guys even signed those dotted lines to be official signees. So, you know, are you playing a role you know, maybe your boy Ethan Adams, maybe somebody else um, just being like, all right, hey, you know, maybe pushing NC State, maybe kind of, you know, maybe recruiting uh, some of your friends, some of your teammates to try to get to be uh, future teammates when you head to college. Yeah, most definitely. Like any anyone that I see that can help our team out, I'm going to I'm going to be like, hey, I'll, I'll like if they don't have a connection with our coach, I'll call Coach Hart, ask them about who their travel team coach is, try and get them connected and make sure that they can get on the phone with that individual. But it would be awesome if Ethan would commit to NC State. Like, that'd be a ball. Like that is my that's my guy. Yeah. All right. So that's that, that's the recruiting pitch right there. You know, we'll just we'll just you know segment that little audio right there. Send it to Ethan and see what he thinks. But um, so you know, when you're looking at your perfect game profile, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before we started recording. But you know, you are listed as a pitcher, and I believe it's an outfielder. So you know, what is that plan here? These next couple of years of maybe evolving into a PO. What does that kind of look like through your eyes? Like, what is the plan in the next couple of years? So with artillery right now, I'm I'm like listed as a PO with them, but AJ, whenever we're up big and even in the um at the MLK tournament, he let me hit because I still want to hit. I'm a I'm an athlete. I love doing it. Hitting's fun to me. And then with high school, I'll be hitting. I'll be starting as a hitter. I started hitting in the outfield last year before I broke my hand. And it's just something I like hitting. It's just something good to do. Like keeps me athletic, and. Nothing to it. I don't. I'm not ready to become that PO step yet. But in college, 
in college, I know where, what my path is, so I'm fine with that. Yeah. So when it does come time to, you know, you know, be a PO, maybe not hit and just focus directly of, of your game on the mound. How do you see your game evolving maybe a little bit quicker as your sole focus is, you know, be, being a the best pitcher that you can be? I know something I focus on a lot is my mechanics. I really like to keep those like enclosed. Don't want to like mess anything up. Don't want to practice any bad things. So when I'm training, I really focus on that a lot. And then after that, I focus on my pitch grips, pitch location, how I throw the ball. When where I train, we have really good setups there. Like we have Rapsodos, we have a Kronos machine, which it has like a slow motion, so you can see the ball come off your hand, see the spin of the ball, all that stuff. And I'm re- I'm in a really good uh really good training facility out in a um in Chichester called a Sun Athlete. Okay, so you talk about your mechanics there. Kind of take those, th- take us through what those mechanics are. You know, when you're on the mound, whether that's you know in the stretch, in the windup, take us through what those mechanics look like while you're on the mound. So something I like to do when I start my mechanics, I like to start slow, like with my sidestep, and then I'll get my leg lift. It's like it's not super high like others, but it's not low. I get it like in that medium high area, and then right when I get there, I like to go fast, like move move fast, throw the ball fast, throw it hard. So dig a little bit into your whole arm care situation. So, you know, in-season and off-season, starting with the in-season, take us through that. Let's say, you know, you're starting game one of the season. What do those next couple of days look like to your next start? And then in the off-season, kind of take us through that as well, what that looks like, you know, getting ready for the actual season. So in-season, before I pitch, I stretch. I really uh, – I like to loosen up, so I'll, I'll run and do all, like, those uh, movement stretches and then – before I even get out to the field, I'll get on like a foam roller and like get on a, a massage gun and just massage out my muscles, roll out before I even do any of that running stuff. And then when that happens, when all that's done, I hit on my, I get on my bands, do my band routine, and then I start throwing my plyo balls. And then after that, I'll do a long toss and then I'll get in the pen. I like throwing like three, two to three pitches in the windup and the stretch, just get a feel good before I go out for my start. All right, so digging into off season. So I know, like right now, I'm sure your ramp ups, you know, probably coming to an end to where you're probably at a hundred percent. But what does that look like? You know, in the fall, you know, you guys come home from you know Jupiter or whatever fall tournament you're going to. What does that deload process look like? You know, maybe those couple months you're off in November, December, January, whatever, up to that ramp up stage. What does that kind of look like? What does that off season schedule um, look like for you? So that deload process is really, even though. Uh, I'm not throwing. I'm still in my pit. I'm still in the pitching lab. I'm working on like shoulder mobility, all that arm care stuff, like still doing um like mechanic work with uh like water bags or any of that, like sliders on the mound, any of that other stuff. And then my main focus during that deloading time is getting in the gym a lot, like lifting heavy, a lot more heavier than I would be in season or even coming to like closer to in season. And then um definitely doing a lot of cardio, keeping my body move good. So when you're actually on that mound, let's go through, let's dig through that pitching repertoire. So, you know, obviously your number one pitch, whatever fastball that is, you know, your couple secondary pitches, and then maybe, you know, maybe the pitch that needs the most work, maybe the pitch that you think is your best secondary pitch. What does that repertoire look like? So I have a four, four to five pitch mix. I have a fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, and I'm working on a cutter right now. My slider, I would say my slider and cutter right now, I'm just learning a new slider over this past offseason, and we might change it to a cutter. We're still, me and my pitching coach are still uh, talking and going over that. And then definitely love throwing my fastball. I'm up into 
high 80s, 90, 92 is my PR right now, sitting like 90, 91. So I love just running it high. I got a good, I have a good uh vertical horizontal with my fastball. And then my curveball is really well. I, I throw like a high, I throw like a higher slot curveball and then come to a right, left gyro slider. And then my changeup, I love throwing my changeup too. So when you are, you, you mentioned how, you know, you're, you're developing that slider, developing that cutter. How do you kind of go about, you know, adding a new pitch, but then also, you know, developing that, developing that as well. Um, what is your, you know, routine or process of, you know, developing those pitches? So for what the main focus is my slider this offseason. So I would throw it in my uh, catch plays. And then when I would get on the mound, we would focus on a number, like on the Rapsodo machine. We'd focus on numbers that I want to be in the area of. So I didn't – our really main focus wasn't location of the pitch at first. It was just getting those right numbers. And then once we got those numbers and I was consistently hitting them, I would go for location. Okay. So let's say you're a scout watching your game. So when you're on the mound, heck, I mean, if you even want to add in when you're hitting as well, since you know that, I mean, that is a the, the one of the more fun things to do within the game of baseball, Um, interacting with your teammate, interacting with, you know, your battery mate, your catcher, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself if you were a scout watching you play? So if, if I was a scout watching um, me play, I would definitely write down that I'm very active. I talk a lot. I love talking to my uh, teammates before the game, getting them into make sure, making sure everyone's doing the right thing, just getting ready for the game. And then on the mound, I'd be on the mound. I like moving around. Like if there's a PFP, if I have the chance of a PFP and I think I have a better shot than the third or first baseman, I'll, I'll run and get it. And then when I'm pitching, definitely have like that dog mentality to me. So if I get a big strikeout, I'll make sure everyone hears it. So um, so as we talk about the relationship you have with the catcher, um, when you're playing for artillery, I'm sure you know you're, you don't have the same catcher every game. Um, so how do you kind of go about building that relationship, building that trust amongst your battery mate before a game gets started? Maybe it's the first time a catcher's catching you. Just take us through that whole relationship and that relationship building process with your catcher as you're trying to build that trust um, and just, you know, dominate the hitters. So our two catchers on our artillery team right now, one's uh, Thomas O'Connell, UVA commit, and Ben Peterson, UNC commit. Uh, this summer, I think I threw to Ben a lot more than Thomas. It was just the way the games lined up. They'd switch every other game or so. And I like throwing to both of them. They're both really good receiving catchers, block the ball, both have a great arm. And the way, like, I don't really focus on who I'm throwing to as much, like, with them two at least, because I know they're both solid catchers. They're both power five catchers, so I like throwing to both of them. Mm -hmm, I'm sure. Um, so as we talk about, you know, all these different, you know, your trainer, uh, we talk about, you know, Ajay, the artillery coaching staff, maybe your coaching staff at your high school team. I mean, I'm sure you've had a bunch of influential people within your career to get you to where you're at now within your career as a power five commit. But if you could pick, you know, maybe two to three people who have been the most influential within your baseball career, who would those couple people be and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? So um, one really big influential person to me is my dad. Uh, he's always been there since I was young, got me into the game. He didn't play uh, baseball like that wasn't his main sport. He was a football and rugby player. He uh, played Division One football and then transferred to top D3 school in the country and then went to play rugby for a uh, USA team that was built around. So he traveled the country. And so he knew since I was young, baseball was really my thing. I was still playing sports during the fall and winter, but baseball was really what I wanted to do. And he is always supportive of me. He's got me, put me in the best situations I can be in. Same with my mom. 
she does the same thing as my dad. Just they get me to the places I need to be, spend the money for me, and I'm really supportive about that. And then another big influential person to me is um one of my New Jersey friends' dad, Dave Lipoff. Um, he's a uh, very very smart. He knows his stuff. He he's always talking to me. I t- I'm texting him all the time about anything, and I'm really close friends with his son, Braden Lipoff. He's a catcher, 2026, very good. He should be on the radar for colleges too, and. You know, Dave and my dad, they chop it up all the time. And Dave just he acknowledges me to the game, same as my dad. And I'm really supportive and thankful for both of them. Mm-hmm. So digging into development here a little bit more. Um, so as you look forward to the future, you know, your sophomore year this spring and then even beyond that, your junior, senior year before heading to that next level. You know, what are some of those things that you're wanting to put, you know, a key focus on within your development? You know, whether that's, you know, maybe adding a new pitch um, certain things within what, whatever it happens to be, what are some of those key focal points within your development these next couple of years? So definitely adding velo. Uh, that's always been my goal every year. I just want to add a few more miles per hour to my fastball. And then something I really want to add, I really want to have a knockout slider. Like I think my fat, the way my arm slot is and the way I tunnel my pitches a fastball slider combo would be really well for me. So this off season, I've really been focusing on that slider and I think that's going to be my main focus because I have my curveball and change up down right now. All right. So let's kind of move away from the baseball field. I've got, you know, maybe three to four questions here to end it off, you know, beyond the game of baseball. So as we're digging into passions, obviously your number one passion is probably baseball. But beyond the game, what would be some of those passions that you have to, you know, maybe maybe take your mind off of the game of baseball, take your mind off of school, whatever it happens to be. What are some of those other passions you have beyond beyond the game of baseball? So, like I said, I've always played other sports other than baseball and basketball is one of them. So I live in a really good town where I have a bunch of kids my age that live right five minute walk from my house. So like we yesterday, we were playing pickup at our like L.A. Fitness. And it's just really good for me mentally wise, just getting my mind off things, being with my friends, playing basketball, having a fun time with them, being competitive. And then I think something else, something else we do is play Xbox really get competitive on Xbox. We love playing Call of Duty. Call of Duty, we used to play Fortnite, not as much anymore, but definitely Call of Duty, 2K, Madden, all those games. Okay, so Xbox. So what, is it still Xbox One that people are playing? Is there even a game beyond that now? Uh, Well, there's like the Xbox, like Pro Series, X Series. Like, it's just Xbox. They're just, the technology's better. Okay, yeah, because I mean, I, so... Mike, I quit playing video games like during COVID the whole because I like that was right when I transitioned to like, becoming a college student. And, you know, my brother, as, as I moved away, my brother wanted to keep the PlayStation. So I was like, well, shoot, I'm not paying 500 bucks for a new yeah. console. So I, I, I haven't really followed it the past, you know, two, three years or whatever. I was just curious on what that, you know, newest Xbox uh, console was. Uh, but as we dig into, you know, let's dig into your contacts in your phone. Who is, you know, out of all these different connections that you've made, the coolest contact that you have in your phone right now? Oh, I might have to check it out. Oh, that's a good question. That is a very good question. So uh, for that, so I, I'm interviewing the Texas 12 right now. I'm not sure. Do you know who the, the Texas 12 are? Yeah. So they have Andy Pettit as like one of their assistant coaches. So like uh-huh. the past like 12, like I had 10 answers in a row where it was just Andy Pettit, Andy Pettit, Andy Pettit. Um, so, you know, it's always kind of cool to see, you know, some of you young ball players who, you know, your favorite, who your coolest contact would be in your phone. I mean, I got to go Ajay, really. Ajay's probably, I talk to him all the time and 
it's put me on connections with a bunch of cool dudes. So it's got to be Ajay for me. Yeah, I think I think Ajay is a safe answer. He's a, he's a pretty cool dude. Um, you know, I, I'm glad that I have him. I have I'm glad that I have, I have his phone number in my phone now. Yeah. Uh, but no. So digging into motivations. Um, so you know what what is it that kind of you know just wakes you up in the morning to go get better, go kick the sheets in a way that some people say. Uh, just what is it that just deep down internally that just motivates you to go get better and just continuously evolve. You know, I always want to be the best. Uh, I see other kids working hard, but I want to work harder than them. I want to get – I have goals in life, so I really want to achieve those goals. That's what really wakes me up in the morning to get going. Okay. So taking that a little bit further, you, know, you keep going towards that. Keep trying to be that best. What does that perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road? So what? You'll be, what, 35, 36 years old. What does that look like? Everything's going right. You continue to use those motivations. What does that perfect picture look like? That perfect picture, if I'm still old enough to be playing in the league, want to be a pro still, but if not, I'm retired pro. Want to go, hopefully, a few few years after that, make the Hall of Fame, have a good situation with a family, wife, few kids, get them into whatever sports they want to play. Um, just live life down south somewhere where it's warm, nowhere cold. I don't want to be yeah. the cold. So you, you don't want to go back to Delaware, PA area? You kind of want to move down south? Nah, I think I'm going to excel out to the south or somewhere else. Yeah, when it's when it's man, when it's midwinter, you're looking outside, you just see a, a bunch of snow, and you have to you know put on three jackets. Like that's that's not fun. So you know, moving down south, you know, might be a little might be a safe answer. But I think yeah. that's the I think that's the first time someone sits Hall of Fame. You know, everyone talks about you know if everything's going right, I want to be a, a major league ball player. But you know, I guess your mind's thinking a little bit that's a step forward. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. being with the Hall of Fame. But down to my last question here. So you know, when you do head to NC State. You're going to get that opportunity to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness. I'm sure you've heard of it. I mean, a big thing in NCAA right now. Um, so when you do get that opportunity in a couple of years, what would be that dream brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate with, partner with, whatever it happens to be? What would happen to be that dream brand? All right. I don't know if you ever heard about them before, but there's these one pair of um, like slippers that I have. They're called Sanooks. I love them. My pair just ripped too. So Sanu, oh. if you see this, might have to get active. So um, so they're like these. Here, I'm gonna grab. I'll I'll show you them. I'll grab them real quick. <laughs> it's like this little sandal that you wear. I wear them at the beach or wherever I go, and they're just nice, easy slip-ons. They're really awesome. So comfortable. Like my foot formed into them, and um. I was so upset when it ripped. Yeah. They could sure. hit the bottom. Have but you, that, they, go ahead. Some Something else I want to do. I want to like, not really a specific brand, but I want to go to like somewhere like a little bit bigger, like maybe like a car dealership or something like some of those football players get. Cause that's really good. Uh, you know, yeah. On that money side. Yeah. Gotta, gotta, you know, build that, build that follower account just a little bit more these next couple yeah. of years then you know, might get that opportunity because all those football players who are getting those deals, you know, generally, you know, have an NFL future or have 200,000 followers on Instagram, which unless yeah. you're Max Clark in baseball, that doesn't happen too often. But for Sanooks, like, are they similar to Hey Dudes? Like, do you know what Hey Dudes are? I have Hey Dudes. I have Hey Dudes right next to me. So, um, the way they wear probably a little bit different. Like, hey, dude's more of like a boat shoe, I would say. And the snooks are like really like slippers. Okay. But they're both comfortable. I love both. I wear my hey, dudes all the time, too. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't made that transition yet. You know, I'm still, you know, a tennis, like a Nike tennis shoe guy. Uh -huh. My parents are trying to get me on that hey, dude kick, but I haven't joined it yet. 
Um, but no, I was I was curious because they, they look kind of similar when you were showing me what they look like. Um, but no, man, that is that's the final question here on the J-Care podcast. You know, super pumped to get you on the show, learn about your career, learn about Del- Delaware High School baseball. Like I said, that's you got you're the first guest who's played in Delaware. Um, so was, that was kind of cool to learn about that. Um, just like I said, just thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, I want to wish you the best of luck when it comes to, you know, this spring, um, you know, your junior year, senior year as well. And then when you head to that next level, um, just best of luck with that. And like I said, thanks for coming on the Jake Hara podcast. Thank you for having me. It was awesome.